Hey, Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, a miniatures gaming podcast. Yep. So right now we're at the beginning of 2022. Oh so, my God, you're right. I thought for some reason it's 2021. This always happens in January. No, we, we can't even make predictions for next year. It's already the current year. Oh my God. We're past a space audit. Wait, no, that's 2001. I don't know. We're past a whole bunch of things. It's crazy. Uh huh. So I think I probably predicted that. Well, I don't know. With 2020 hindsight, I'm sure we predicted 2021 was going to be fairly similar to the end of 2020. So uh-huh. we'll claim we got that prediction right because we're now <laughs> now in the future and no one's here to check us. Yeah, yeah. But, and uh, 2022 is probably going to be a lot like 2021. Everything is just blending in together. No, nah, I'm going with it's going to be different. Okay. I'm well, going to be good. You're good. You're optimist or pessimist. We'll what see. We'll find out soon. Heard what I'm about to say. Because <laughs> we're here, we're here to make predictions about the upcoming year for this podcast. So I think a lot of those revolve around what type of year we're going to have. That's and true. I think always like when you're trying to look for predictions, you want to figure out like the the general mindset of people to figure out where things are going to go. Mm-hmm. So my thought is now that we're emerging from the darkness, you have to question what Hopefully. we're emerging. That's a prediction well, of itself. <laughs> well, well, people have to emerge from their bunkers at some point. Just the question is what you expect when you emerge from the bunkers. Will, okay. will everything actually be fine when you go outside and the cities aren't a nuclear wasteland? Or, or will there be mutants roaming everywhere? And you know, and you just run straight back into that bunker. That, that's an option, yeah. Maybe you just run back into the bunker. But I, I think... I think a lot of the emerging from the, the bunker will be the question of this podcast, what we find this year. Uh, yeah, so this uh, podcast, as our inaugural 2021 podcast, at least the one that we recorded in 2021, uh, oh, sorry, 2022, made a mistake again, uh, mm-hmm. is predictions for the new year. So... Uh, I think we've already given a couple of general uh, vibe predictions, we think. You can kind of hear what we think is going to happen in the new year. Uh, but this, these predictions are all, uh, we, we basically created a list of topics, all generally re- related to the uh, miniature gaming uh, hobby space. So the first one is games workshop predictions. Do you have a games workshop prediction for us? Do you want to go through the list of things we're going to try and predict, or should we just take them yeah, as they no, we'll go. We'll, we'll name them as we go through them. All right. No confusing anybody. So, GW, I think that's a good place to start with our, our emerging into the, the new world. Yeah. So, yeah. for Games And the Workshop, fact that we've been playing a lot more Games Workshop stuff and buying more Games Workshop things than we have previously. Yeah, it's, it's not just to be popular. Like, readily, we've been buying them, and I plan on buying more. So I think the next GW thing I intend on buying is Necromunda stuff. Uh-huh. The, uh, well, I don't know. I'm not Corpse Grinders? Something. I'll probably get the Corpse Grinders just to be different than everybody else that has House Escher because Escher is uh-huh. the coolest looking, but you know, got to be different. So not just that I intend to buy it, but GW has been doing like pretty steady releases for Necromunda lately. Uh-huh. So I like. So your prediction it, is that they're going to kill Necromunda? 
no, I think Necromunda will actually get like, because I don't think people have okay. been playing as many games over the last year. And uh-huh. there's more of a tendency towards playing skirmish now, just because the, the onerous nature of playing full-fledged games, which I mean, GW, that's what GW wants you to do. They want you to play big scale war games and throw the big bucks at them. Yep. But given the prevalence of skirmish games and how their other skirmish games, AKA Kill Team, and then Warcry and that, like Warcry seems to be on a bit of a downslope. Kill Team didn't quite hit the right notes. So I think that leaves Necromunda. I think Kill Team's probably in a worse space, even though it's newer than uh, Warcry. Yep. Warcry is on a downslope, but it's been pretty steady. And it's like much older and it's been doing pretty steady. So Mm -hmm. it could come back if they have some new edition or something like that. Yeah, but it's not so old that I see them doing that. But I just uh-huh. I see Necromunda becoming like a big thing for a GW this year, not just because I we intend to play it. Also, <laughs> yeah. back to my thing about the the themes of emerging from the bunker into the dystopia, it uh-huh. it kind of embodies a a rather warped dystopian world. So I, I think its theme will resonate with people pretty well too who are uh, looking for a game to this year. The apocalypse kind of thing. It's like how yeah. the turn of the century, uh, people loved Mordheim because it had that post-apocalyptic feel, right? The, the game is supposed to be apocalyptic. Yeah, based, well, even though it's fantasy, right? It's like an apocalyptic for the fantasy world. And people really, it really resonated with people on the turn of the century with, you know, fears of, was it? was it the millennium bug and who knows what we're getting into that kind of stuff uh-huh so i i they shouldn't have worried every... it's 20 years later apparently that they should have been worried yeah exactly <laughs> so I, I just see for all those reasons necromunda taking off even more that's that's true they've been putting a lot of uh effort into uh necromunda in general, they've been releasing a lot of books. My only worry with that is that GW proper tends to try and wring the money out of systems. So if they focus on Necromunda, they could just kill Necromunda, right? Well, they often will they, do that. So I don't they, think, though, that they realize it could be big this year because they haven't been like making any overarching things. I think they're focused more on kill team. Because they talk about releasing all the new like zones in that for Kill Team. Yeah. They just talk about it way more in their release schedule. And they, they seem to just be like ne- leaving anything big for Necromunda alone, except for just like slow, small releases. So I don't see them turning their Eye of Sauron onto Necromunda <laughs> and eradicating it. That makes me scared for uh, uh, Battle for Middle Earth, which is, I think, their, technically their best ongoing game. Yep. which is just still chugging along with a small audience, which is super weird to me considering the property and the fact that it is like their their best big game. I, I guess Blood Bowl is probably better, but it's a very, very different game. Yeah. But yeah. Well, hopefully, mean- hopefully the new, uh, what was it? The new Amazon uh, Lord of the Rings thing doesn't uh, make them destroy uh, Battle for Middle Earth 2. Oh well, so would, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, is your prediction for GW along the same lines as mine, or did you have something more? No, I have a different thing along along the lines of uh, what you were talking about for Kill Team. So, I think 
uh, if people look at follow uh, Games Workshop as a business, uh, they will see that although 2020 was like a banner year for Games Workshop, they did basically better than they ever have before because you know everything was closed down, closed down. So people started getting into you know find trying to find something to do, and so they would just buy more plastic, and then they got addicted to the plastic crack. Um, However, I don't know if people have been following 2021, it has actually been an overall not that great year relative to 2020 for Games Workshop. So even though their trajectory is, I think, still slightly higher, there's a lot of, they, they ramped up expecting 2020, 2020 to continue and it did not, right? Mm-hmm. It was a temporary bump and they treated it like a permanent bump. That is and very so, true. They came out with tons of like big box sets and all that yeah. for people who wanted to like go big into the game and spend big money. But I don't think yep. the uptake on those was what they wanted. Yeah, because, you know, people only have so much money, right? And the, even though there was a huge uptick of people who went in, it's not like there's an infinite number of those people. And a lot of those people probably already bought in in 2020 and now are just like still assembling and painting or <laughs> the same things. Especially yep. if you're trying to buy an army for a Games Workshop size, right? It's not a steady buy. Usually when you're buying something in game for Games Workshop games, it's a huge purchase and then supplemental purchases afterwards, right? So you have a whole bunch of people getting into the game, which would be a huge spike. But even if they stay in the hobby, which is unlikely, um, as, as you know, things open up again, uh, it's going to be supplemental. It's going to be a lot smaller in terms of purchases afterwards. So to my prediction is that's my analysis of, of Games Workshop in general. And my prediction is they are going to see this and instead of changing tack, they're going to double down. And they're going to release um, e- even bigger, more boxes and more stuff and try to push through uh, the slowdown of their 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 jump basically and they're going to be there instead of saying oh you know maybe we oversaturated the market uh they're going to be like you know what we just didn't hit with the right stuff and they're going to try and push really really hard on the things that they have that are selling okay or decently and push out even more and there's going to be i'm going to make an even solid prediction because it doesn't matter if i'm wrong there's going to be at least two more kind of overly produced failures like the age of sigmar 3 release where they're going to overprint and not people are not going to buy yeah i can see them doing that for their big games that's i wouldn't disagree with that prediction which is which is why my prediction is more yours is for the negative <laughs> end and mine is for what they'll actually get positive yeah which neither and, they see and i think i think by the end of the year they're going to start realizing that you can't push through it and they will start preparing for a drop off in 2024. Mm-hmm. So, but I think 2022 is going to be an even worse year for them than 2021. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. That you can't get that much money out of those little games. All right, so that's our <laughs> that's our GW predictions. Now on to right. now, on to, now on to positivity, I guess to balance this out. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Uh, oh, so we, oh, we talked positive. Oh, well, well, we talked a, a lot about Infinity from Corvus Belly. This is one of our favorite games ever. Uh, top 
top three uh, for the games that we play. Um, and during uh, the end of uh, last year, uh, Corvus Belly officially announced that they will be making a new thing for Infinity of the Game for an issue that has been plaguing the game for ever since we've been we've played. And that is they're going to finally redo link teams for N4. Yep, they've begun calling them fire teams now, but sorry, fire recent, teams. Yes. In their recent studio update, they put out a video for in the last two weeks of 2021. They went over yeah. sort of <clears throat> what they plan to do for next year. And they they gave a a brief mention of the fact that there'd be a very large overhaul of the fire team rules, which as, yep. as I think current, corresponding with a book, with a new book. You gotta buy something. Come on. Was it <laughs> yeah, gonna I don't know if it, I don't know if it's going to correspond with the fluff book or it's going to be a different book. Anyhow, maybe it's the probably fluff the book fluff book, right? Because they said they're going to release a book and then they said they're going to do link teams. They technically, sorry, fire teams. They technically didn't say that the fire team stuff will be in the book, mm-hmm. especially if it's a fluff book. But I assume that's all going to be in that one kind of thing to, to, to build hype and stuff. Yep. So as the fire team rules currently work, they basically give you crazy bonuses that don't sort of match any other mechanics in the game. Mm-hmm. So they said they would do, a, in the recent video, they said they would do quite a big change to them, mm-hmm. which I'm fine with. <clears throat> the question is what they do with it. And I mean, they did a lot of what you would call big changes in the release of N4. Mm-hmm. And for everything else. Out, yep. yep. They all turned yep. out so, to be quite good. Yep. So what is your Infinity Fireteam prediction? So with the, how the Infinity Fireteams currently work, you have uh-huh. from two to five members, and depending on how the more members you have, the more bonuses you get. Yep. But all those bonuses go towards one individual member of the fire team who executes the action on their behalf. Mm-hmm. And the rest of them could get themselves shot if they want to, but they can't do much else usually. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like a fire team, honestly. No, Except for the movement, because they all move together. That's why people practically call the other guys in the fire teams often like cheerleaders, which sometimes refers to just guys who give you orders, but yeah. the other guys are just cheering the one guy on, which just <laughs> seems just seems bizarre. Uh-huh. So I was broken two ways between whether they would have, because they have coordinated orders as well that exist as a rule for activating multiple guys at once, which uh-huh. means all the guys activate at once, which kind of makes sense, uh-huh. but that... You don't get any big bonuses, but you sort of overwhelm your opponent by attacking. So either there's everyone possi- attacks with lower burst. Yep. So either there's a possibility they make the game more coherent and make fire teams operate more like coordinated orders. Or my other thought was that what they've been doing lately, because they cut the number of guys you can have in your army down, they've introduced more mechanics for how you get more orders out of your fewer guys. My other uh-huh. thought was that they move along that line and allow your fire teams to give you more orders basically somehow so you can get more activations during your turn by the fact that you've got the fire team but i don't think they'll do that i think they've already given you enough orders so i i'm gonna well, go have a tactical not... order which is basically yes they've got things like that but i'm gonna go with they're not gonna do that and i think they're gonna let you activate more guys at once I think this, okay. somehow when you activate your fire team, I don't think it's going to work the same way as coordinated orders. But okay. I 
see you being able to do more things with all the guys at once and less about just being bonuses. So do you think there's still going to be bonuses? Yes. So there's going to be some bonuses. Mm-hmm. I think it's but... going to move. I think it's going to shift it to be more towards everyone can do something, but the bonuses are going to be cut down. That's my prediction. Because the bonuses really are game changing, right? Mm-hmm. The way that they play, and, and and I don't mean game changing as in it makes the uh, fire team strong. Uh, to because technically uh, every single like to get a fire team, you need to play in a, a limited. You can only choose a certain number of units. Uh, you have a different unit selection list, which makes the it's called a sectorial, and it, and the fire team is the bonus you get to balance out this limited selection. And it's actually not more powerful than vanilla where you get to choose just the best of everything, right? Yeah, it's like theming your army, which gives you restrictions on what yeah. <clears throat> on your faction you can take, but it feels more themey, but you get the bonus by creating these fire teams. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I don't mean that, but I mean like when you run a fire team, it changes the way you play the game. It doesn't feel it feels very, very different, and it feels like it's a grafted-on mechanic onto the rest of the game. Yeah, it feels like you're operating... Because technically it is. This is the second edition version of Fire Teams. It's the same mechanics that we've been playing with second edition. Second edition was a very, very different game than third and fourth, right? So I feel like they really do need to redo it. And I'm going to go... I think. I've mentioned this many times that we've play tested uh, just running with uh, coordinated orders. So basically, instead of a fire team getting bonuses, uh, a fire team allows you to, whenever you activate a guy in the fire team, uh, sorry, the link leader in the fire team, uh, or someone within eight inches of the link leader, you can make the person uh, who activates the link leader and run a coordinated order with people in the fire team within eight inches. And we've tried that and play tested with that. And it's been, you know, limited. We've done some limited play testing and it worked in my opinion, really, really good. It made the gameplay much more normal. Right. It f- and it was still really powerful. Like for example, you can, at the end of your turn, you can spend one order and put everyone in suppressive fire, which is really powerful. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, does that make it more pow- like less powerful or more powerful than the current fire teams? I don't know. They're- that would fit into the very different. Just allowing them to go suppressive, but cutting the bonuses, that would be a very interesting way for it to go. So you think they might do that? Uh, yes. And because I, I don't, technically in my heart, uh, I don't think, well, no, in my brain, I don't think they'll do that. But in my heart, I really, really want them to do that because it works so well and it's so much of a cleaner design mm-hmm. uh, than their current way with like bonuses. But I feel like the way that Corvus Belly generally does things is not giant uh, changes. Whenever they do a giant change, it's very, very surprising. Usually they are more of an iterative uh, evolutionary kind of company. So for them to say, we're going to move entirely away from this fire team system and then use a different system that they've already created that exists somewhere else is uh, even if it's in my opinion, a much cleaner design and works great. um, It is unlikely in my opinion that they would do that. It's just as in like, I haven't seen them do that much. Right. 
Yeah, so I think in this case they might because the N4 rules, they didn't do it at the same time. Like if they did it at the same time as releasing N4 rules, that that would be a huge change all at once. But by pulling the fire team change out of the N4 rules update, maybe it allows them to do more of the iterative update that they like doing rather than having to drop the whole thing at once, which is not what they what they aim to do. Yeah, maybe. Model. That's so. my hope. So I'm going to predict more uh, from my heart and say that it's going to be some sort of coordinated order like thing mm -hmm. where there's basically no bonuses. It's all in activation efficiency. Okay. All right. Uh, and, and my reasoning, I have a couple, I have a couple more things about the bonuses that I is part partially is currently you can use, you can have fire teams with guys who have a burst five on their shot with the plus one burst bonus. So they have burst six. And I think, and that's literally new in uh -huh. N4. And I don't think that that Corvus Belli expects that to be permanent. I think that was just a fun thing. It's the same thing that they did with N3 it's transitioning to N4. All of the units released in N3 at the end of N3, like the new units, were designed and had stat lines for N4. And mm -hmm. so they were broken in N3 at the very end. And it's literally just for fun. But then when they transitioned to N4, suddenly everyone else got a big, like all the other units got rebalanced and became, and the, the, the new units were no longer like stupid broken, right? Yeah, the, the their, their points stayed, the new things that were really awesome in N3, their points stayed the same in N4, but all yep. sorts of other things got point decreases for like heavily armored stuff. Especially yep. going into N4. So I think it's going to be a similar. So I think the, the burst bonuses that uh, I think it's the Kreezer Borax is the one that I'm thinking of. Uh, that is a suggestion that I think it's not going to be the burst six is not going to be permanent. It's literally they're going to lose that plus one burst. So so my thought is they're going to lose all the bonuses. Mm hmm. Okay, our, our predictions are very similar there. I go with a few bonuses, but you go with you go with posse suppressive fire existing as a as an option for fire teams. Yeah, I think it just thematically it works so much better too. I would like it. No, I'd like it works. I'd like it works with the art and everything. So mm -hmm. like imagine you can go suppress a fire with four, choose one guy, shoot, and then if you fail, then like if you fail at killing the guy, then the other guys are still there with suppressive fire, right? Well, it, it supports more aggressive play to move up the board, take positions and hold them using it versus the yep. current fire team rules encourage sitting back and using and your sniping. bonuses for turning cheap, cheap snipers into good snipers, not necessarily just yep. sniper rifles, but just cheap long range weapons become so yep. much better with the current fire team rules. So it encourages turtling more and camping. Yep. Which is it not, just I makes sense. Think, I don't think you thematically like. gameplay wise. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I hope they understand that though. Anyhow. <clears throat> but again, I'm worried, but that's my hope. So I'm going to go with it. Go with your heart. And I, I, I play into that turtle style. Like I'm not <laughs> going to claim I don't play that way. I'm fine with uh -huh. them. Just like ruining a few of my like loadouts okay. <laughs> with the, with the super buffed uh, one guy with the, with the four cheerleaders and then the one super shooter in your link team and your fire no, team. No, just three cheap, long range weapons they're just like oh. <laughs> 20 points or less but there's just 
they're all standing up and they're all watching the whole board at and once. And now they're super good because of the fire team. Yeah, yeah, now they're amazing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. That's my turn. All right. So that is our uh, predictions for Infinity Fire Teams. All right. So on to the next prediction. Uh, so this topic is uh, hobby industry predictions. So do you have general, you know, going wide scope predictions for the general hobby uh, industry? That yeah, but I don't think this is going to go in the direction you think this is going to go. This is, I'm going to take it in more of the hobbying direction. Sure, go for it. So given that most people have an issue with not getting their stuff painted, yep. the, recently when we've seen the introduction of things like washes, like that was a long time ago that they become, mm-hmm. became popular, but GW sort of has kept pushing them. And then they released their contrast paints, which people really uptook yep. to like get their armies done. I, and then I even like at the beginning of this year or 2021 started just painting things by mixing up paints that operated similarly to contrast paints, just to speed paint, like generic models to use for skirmish games. And I was like, Oh, I can get a lot of shit done this way. Uh And just like, like hundreds of guys. Yeah. It's just a fancier dip method basically. Yeah. It's like, remember like people used to do dip method and we're like, that's ugly and stupid, but put a little bit more time in and then using basically the dip method, but like, you know, you're painting on, you paint it on, but you use basically specific washes for each piece. Yeah. And the dip would come out shiny because it was basically a varnished product that hadn't yep. been fully adapted for it. So a lot of it looked like crap because it was all like weird and shiny uh-huh. and like you were just putting it on the whole model. But like given I could paint a hundred models in three months at the yep. beginning of 2021, it's like, okay, so this, this is a thing. And now that this year in 2022, Army Painter, who has like a line of mediocre paints, is going to come out with yeah. their what they call speed paints as their version of GW's they, contrast paints. Yeah, they are. Army Painter has probably the second largest reach in terms of paint lines because even though they are the, they're like the base. Even though you get what you pay for, they are still the cheapest miniature paints, so they're the easiest to get into the hobby with. And although, like people in the who in the hobby for a long time, kind of scoff at at army painter paints in general, um, the price point matters, and they are the fact is they are good enough to they are like the cheapest paints that you can get that are good enough to paint miniatures. Yeah, for people who haven't like aren't trying to paint at the high end, they may not know. Well, I would say they would notice a difference if they use model color or army painter, because if they just go, I mean, model color goes on much more smoothly. It's more yeah. It just yeah, they'll they'll know, but the price right? Yeah, it is. So the people who people who don't notice the difference will go for army painter. Yep, gets the job done. And if they, from what I've seen, the people who have used their speed paints, like the previews of them, have been really happy with mm-hmm. them. And what most yeah. people complain about with GW's contrast paints is the price, because you use quite a large volume of it because it's a yeah. very thin paint, and you're just also the it on consistency. Everywhere. People complain about the consistency that um, the contrast paint line does not work all of their paints because you know they all have different pigments and stuff. They don't all work the same. Uh-huh. So some of them actually technically suck, apparently. Yeah, well, from what I've seen of the army painters, they look like they're probably more consistent. They're not meant to do as 
some of the odd things that GW tries to accomplish, which I'm sure if you knew how to use that particular product, it'd work well for the contrast paints. <clears throat> but the army painters look a bit more straightforward and they're going to come up with like mega packs of them, yep. which have like 12 to 20 paints, something like that. And they'll probably be very affordable. So I can see hobbyists like who just want to get stuff done quickly, really buying into that. Yeah. Changing the way a lot of people paint. Yeah. So, so you really just need, if, if that becomes a popular thing, you really just need the base set of army painter for the base colors, right? So you, you base coat your thing and then you use your, what are they called? Speed paints on top. Yeah. So when they, so you really, you have like seven base colors, right? So you have your base, you have a base color for it, for everything. Right. And then you just use your speed paints to finish everything off and then you call it good. Yeah, so the problem with how the industry, with how GW and Army Painter seem to be presenting it is that you're supposed to use it over white, which obviously works, but yeah. it, it's not going to look as good because normally when you paint, if you're trying to paint things that look good, you mm -hmm. don't paint towards white. You paint towards some like warmer color or maybe towards like a neutral version, depending on what you're trying to paint. Yeah, otherwise everything looks washed out. Yeah, everything looks washed out. So if people, if they put a bit more, I mean, the people who just want to do it quickly may not care about this, uh -huh. but if like they do something to educate people into how to like do a really good job of these things to uh -huh. let people know, like what, if you start off with this like light tan color or you start off with this light yellow yeah. color, then you put the washes over it. Here's what it looks like. And those, when you do that with those contrast paints, you would get some really good outcomes versus going over top of white, yeah. which as you said, looks washed out. So yeah. hopefully someone puts some effort into educating people of how to use these things. It would be really cool if they have a base, like they just, they just have a, a like certain number like of uh, paints from their army painter line. And it's like base coats, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, actually they, they, the, the, what do you call it? Um, Vallejo has a line of base coats that are really strong that that cover really really well mm -hmm. um, colors. But like specifically for that. But if you just had like base coats and they're saying use these seven ones for you 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 don't need that many right because you're gonna change the colors with your contrast yep. um, that are just light colors of the different base coats you want. Like you said, tans or things like that. I think that would. And, and, and you could even say like your, your first step is just use white and contrast. And then it's like level two is usually seven base coats, right? Yeah, And they would all be, they'd it. all be very light colors because they're meant to look course, like a yeah. highlight. So it's just light yellows, light tan colors. Light, I, I don't know if they have light blues, but. <clears throat> like light flesh colors. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And then you use those and then you can also use those as, as uh, highlights as well. So you put your light coat on, you wash it with your thing and then you, you highlight with the same light coat. Yeah, if you really want to make things really simple for people, that could that could work. Yeah, because because the once you wash over it with the contrast, it's going to look like a different color. So when you come back yeah. and use it again, it's going to look like a third different color, even though you've only used two colors. Yep. But I don't I don't see that happening, unfortunately. But I do see people moving towards using the speed paints just because of the price point. Uh -huh. Change from the contrast paints. So you think that's going to take the industry like like by storm, like the way GW thought that their contrast paints would actually work. Yeah. But without like kicking you in the balls with the, with the <laughs> price point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think so. I th I would, I'm actually really interested in using them 
because I've been seeing a lot of the miniatures that I piled up uh, over the over the break, and what and by break I mean the last two years, and I kind of want to just get through a lot of that stuff. Like I might try to speed use speed paints to finish my um, my uh, Starks for uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, I've talked about it before. I basically figured how to formulate something similar by mixing Vallejo model air paint with a bit of army painter washes, just to give it the sort of medium that you need to use at that yep. consistency. And you just make whatever you want out of that combination. Yeah. And you yep. don't need a separate line of paints, but if you don't already own lots of airbrush paints and you don't tend to airbrush, you might as well just go straight for the speed paints. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, all right. So for me, my general industry one, is this one is uh again i'm i'm, I'm shooting I'm, I'm taking wild shots in the dark i'm going for swinging for the fences because uh as as people say like if you get a prediction wrong nobody really remembers that but if you get a prediction right you can really rub that in people's faces and be like oh my god look at how good it is so my prediction is a company it's pretty negative, actually. A company with at least five years. An existing uh, company? Okay. An existing company that has existed for at least five years is going to close up shop. Weird. It has had product. Sorry? Weird. Uh, weird. Yeah, maybe weird. Uh, maybe it's uh, close up shop or get, I guess, bought out because they're, they would have closed up shop, right? I think there's going to be one that's going to happen. There's, there's just a lot of stress on the hobby right now. Uh, hobby stores, you know, have not been able to get a lot of people to come in. Um, and although there was initial spike, like we said, in 2020, it's kind of fallen off, right? And as people, as the pandemic, if the pandemic ends up coming back, like the hobby, uh, space is going to feel even more stress. So I, I think there's going to be a company that people will be sad to see go in the next year. Okay. And if not this year, the next year. So 2023, but I'm swinging for the fences. So I'm going to say this year. <clears throat> okay. And I have no prediction right now of what that company will be, but I have, I have a couple of suspects. Okay. Like weird. <laughs> I don't think weird yeah. is going to go. Mm, I don't either, but anyhow. And Privateer Press got an injection from the Monster Apocalypse uh, Kickstarter. I don't know how much money they got out of that, but that probably yeah, helps them a bit. I didn't see how well it went, but I knew it went fairly successfully. The only problem is that it's two companies. So the Privateer Press cut of that is probably a lot smaller than the actual guy that's doing the production and everything like that, right? Hmm. It's probably some sort of licensing fee and stuff like that. And they're hoping to get more on the, the back end when it gets okay. released into board game stores. All right. All right. That's that was a short one for me. Mm -hmm. All right. Next prediction. So we're on to general predictions. All right. I, I think for me, this brings... This brings me back to the, the original introduction and almost what we talked about for GW. So my, my general prediction is that with the, the current milieu of what 
what's going through people's mindset is we're going to see more people going towards dystopian games <clears throat> with, you know, all Dystopia. the shortages okay, going on, yeah. everything else that people can be like, Oh yeah, that's, that's at the top of their mind. So they're going to, there's going to be a movement towards those, those sort of games, which doesn't mean people are going to be as attracted to infinity with its nice polished anime aesthetic. I think that might, as I said before, lend itself towards people being like, Ooh, Necromunda looks Looks really cool. People uh-huh. possibly, it's not bad for Warcry. Maybe even that weird dystopian war boat game might gain some popularity. Whoa, that's that's a that's a real. I, I know that's, that's a real prediction. The that, boat even game. A game, even a game like that might might gain followers off of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think Fallout Wasteland Warfare, if it were newer would have gotten something but i think it's sort of it's kind of dormant at this point yeah so i don't see it getting a big jump but any i other think games the follow wasteland the, sorry yeah any Go other on. games you think fall into that category they can get a big uh, boot off of that <clears throat> probably uh i don't know silver bayonet yep it's crossgrave yeah, Silver Bayonet has the Dark take on grave. Napoleonic, but Napoleonic turned dystopian. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stargrave is also in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. Frostgrave kind of is. Yeah, Frostgrave kind maybe, of is. Maybe it's not true. Frostgrave. No, Frostgrave, Frostgrave feels like you're discovering afterwards. You're discovering something that happened far afterwards. It doesn't really feel as post-apocalyptic. It's not, it's not the immediate after effects. It's not like... Yeah, it's like two, a thousand years later where people are like archaeologically digging a world. Whereas Stargrave is like you're literally living in a world that is post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. and running away from pirates who, who basically run the things. So Yeah, the, the thing is the Stargrave doesn't have its own line of miniatures that's really prominent. So I think people are looking to look towards the miniature line to give them the artistic impression of what they're getting into. Fair. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. That just backs up my Necromunda prediction. And then Dystopian Wars having an uptick. And that one, if you are right on that, I'll give you props. If that, I think they are trying to bring it back, but like if it actually hits, I will be kind of surprised. I was actually thinking about one of my predictions being that uh, there's going to be a, a spaceship game that that comes out in the new year. Yeah, X Wing is supposed to have a 2.5 edition come out, which is very pretty minor tweaks from what I saw. Mm-hmm. But people seem to have liked it, so maybe that'll that'll use up some of the space. They the just here. need a cleanup where they they didn't do enough removal of stuff from their second edition. It was a, it started off too complicated. That's mm-hmm. also why it kind of failed as well because it, they they gave you upgrade like kits were, that were so expensive. Yeah, it looked like they were trying to make it a little simpler with without there being as many decision points anyway. Yeah. Not much, just a tiny, tiny change towards that. So that'll probably take up the spaceship but, game space at the beginning of the year. So mm, maybe later. that's a, a small spaceship game. I was thinking more big <clears> spaceships. <throat> I think there's going to be another swing at that. Mm. But that's not my general prediction. That's just in the same kind of space. I wonder. Actual one? My actual one is about printed minis. So 3D printed minis. I think it is going to make a major move into 
like it's already, this is kind of a fake prediction because it's already happening, right? But I think it's going to continue to push into the the uh, hobby space. And I think it's going to make a serious dent into metal miniatures. I think min metal miniatures, uh, their days are numbered. Um, so metal is too expensive to be used for miniatures at this point. Anything uh, bigger, yeah. Whereas 3D printer right now, resin is apparently a lot cheaper and then you don't have to ship things, right? So you, you save on a lot of the transportation costs. Um, I think there's going to be huge push into there. I think to make it a real prediction, I'm going to say, uh, again, another swing for the fences, a decently sized company is going to start selling STLs. So not just one of these ones that started up uh, as uh, as a as selling SDLs to be to make a company where they start selling the other things. I think uh, another company is going to start SDLs. If I made a guess, it would be Private Press is going to start selling SDLs. Okay, interesting. I was going to make a prediction along the same line, but I don't. I think this year is too early. My possible three D printing prediction I was considering making would be that a company would start selling you a printing service on subscription. <clears throat> so you've subscribed to get things printed for you. So you've already committed to getting it done mm -hmm. and then just keep shipping you a certain amount every month. Yep. That's but cool. I think, I think we're too early for that. I think that's, I think, that's I think there's going to be some, some small companies that start out. And I feel like that is going to be a thing. Like that is my yeah. hope. That is what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, because I don't want to print things myself. I would rather my hobby store uh, basically buy 3D printers and I just buy SCLs or they purchase the SCLs for me. Maybe they have a bunch of commercial uh, purchases for SCLs and I go there, I see their catalog and say, could you print this one for me? And they print a bunch of stuff off. I go in, I pick them up, I can paint them there. I can buy my paints there uh, and then I can play there. That would, to me, is like, it moves basically the hobby store to a community center, basically, kind of model. Yeah, but I just see that how Amazon and every other online service is taken off for delivering just services like that. I don't, but that's I don't why community going... center matters more, right? You go there, it's a one-stop shop. It has like, uh, the important part is they also have game space, right? And, and places for you to play. They have the terrain printed off. They have all this kind of stuff there. Uh, you go there, you, you do it. You don't have to, to, to get it sh shipped to you yeah, from other places. Yeah. So I so. think the model might just be you subscribing to it at that point, like as part of your subscription to their game space, like as part of the membership of getting game space access. Yeah. You get access. That's to a sweet thing where you have a like certain a certain number, number of prints per Yes, yeah, so you've, you've committed to a baseline amount of it so that they're getting money coming in to have the service running. <clears throat> That's maybe one way they could incorporate like a subscription model for their space and everything else. But I can see it popping up online, but not, not this year. I see it in a future year, like online services delivering something like that. With like I think that's going to move. Yeah, definitely. But not, not this year. This year I see. <clears throat> yep. This year I see the dystopian games. <laughs> Anyhow. I'm really thinking privateer press, if I'm going to guess is the one that's going to do it. But maybe some other company will start selling STLs, some other larger, some other medium or smaller company, but that actually has a thing. Actually, technically, um, Raging Heroes already did, right? They started off selling miniatures and they're, they're selling STLs right now. So I just think another one is going to. Raging yeah. Heroes or larger, basically, a company. Okay. All right. Anyway, okay.
All right, next topic is game prediction. So this is something related to games. All right, I guess I've been going first, so I will keep going. Um, this is an odd one that I didn't think I would make because it falls into the space of like large scale war games. Mm-hmm. But so in recent years, we've seen more like they're all going to die. <laughs> this is this is close to a, this is like a half death prediction. Okay. But so with GW no longer producing, like they produced the Battle for Middle Earth game, mm-hmm. but that hasn't sort of taken off for the fantasy space. But I think there's a big demand for having like large scale fantasy battles that GW is not currently fulfilling because yeah. Age of Sigmar is very they have really cool looking armies, but it's not, it's not generic. So we've seen like Oathmark okay. come out. We've seen Kings of War keep doing releases. There's Warlords of Erlewan that's out there. And I think that with people getting Technically, together. Technically, yeah. Games Workshop has their old world that is supposed to come out in 2024 or something. Yeah, that, that's, we don't have to, we can predict that for later. <laughs> for 2024. But, <clears throat> yeah. At this point, I think without, with people getting back together more, they're going to be thinking more about doing large-scale fantasy battles. This isn't us we're mm-hmm. talking about, and this isn't anything I suggest anybody do, uh-huh. but I think people are going to start playing those large-scale fantasy battles more. And my guess is, out of the ones that are currently like have active rule sets, the Kings of War is going to take off. Kings of War, interesting. Yeah. I think out of those three I mentioned, Warlords of Erlewan, Oathmark, and Kings of War, I think Kings mm-hmm. of War will be the one to take that space. And you don't think uh, Song of Ice and Fire is going to do it because it's too board gamey? Yes. Like, it has its own industry. It, and I think it actually has got a lot of people who are into board games mm-hmm. to play it. But you think that's separate? Yeah, I don't think it fulfills the role that people are looking for there. So, that's, that so is putting my your pre- bet on Kings of War to dominating that there. space and just becoming more, that space becoming more popular in general. Okay, and you think basically Kings of War is going to take it, and and the old world is going to come in and, and Kings of War and try to push out Kings of War. Yeah, in twenty twenty four. Way, way future production. Yeah, I love the fact that GW, like when Kings of War Third Edition came out, GW was just like, "Don't, don't buy Kings of War. We're coming. Just wait a few, a few wait five years, years and we'll, we'll help you." <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. I think people will have now forgotten about that because it's that's that's old news now. Fair enough. All right, my game space is kind of on the opposite end. Well, uh, I said you shouldn't. I said nobody should do that. But if they're for some reason, <laughs> if they have that predilection, oh, you, you, you know, you have you've probably painted so much, and maybe in this in, on this two year break, you've actually finally finished painting that old like knights bretonian knights army right just rank upon rank of knights and like uh peasant archers and and infantrymen to su- supplement that maybe you finally finish that army and you're like i want to play this now or that horde of zombies right a, a thousand zombies or something like that yeah that's mm-hmm. fair all right my prediction is the other end uh, so I think we all know that, you know, skirmish games have really taken off. And in some ways, I feel like in terms of new blood getting into the game, of course, still, I think it's dominated by 40K. But for inroads into the game where you have people that are unexpectedly coming into the hobby, uh, I you know, we've, we've said skirmish games have really taken off. Um, my thought 
is that uh, the big push is actually going to be boxed games. So games that are limited, so not lifestyle games, but like skirmish-like games or, or tight experience games where you buy a, like it's a miniatures game, but you buy a box and, and it is a limited experience. And you play it out and it's fun for the campaign or whatever that you play it out so, and then that's it. And that's why so kind of like GW put so kind of like GW putting back out Cursed City again for another release. Yes. They, they sort of see that coming that people are gonna want this yep. contained experience. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to become more popular. And things like Rangers of Shadow Deep, which is the same kind of thing, although it's continuing on, but uh Joe McCullough said, you know, there's going to be a limited, I think he said there's three there's basically going to be three volumes, right? And so the first one is from is when you buy the book. There's the second one, which he said he's finishing now, right? The second story, and then there's going to be a, an end cap story, right? An, mm-hmm. an end cap large module. Uh, and I think that's going to continue to become a big thing. So I think there's going to be a lot more boxed, experienced miniature games, right? That are some sort of, I guess you could say, a little bit more hybrid of, of a board game kind of thing. But I think that's going to become more popular and there's going to be a bunch more that's going to come out. Yeah, no, I think I think there could be good demand for that. Less, so, yeah, less lifestyle confidence. games, I think, is going to go down. The idea of, like, buying the game and then just playing it every week in and out, mm-hmm. like, continuously, even though, you know, we have a bunch of lifestyle games. I think there's going to be more of the limited release because also that type of game, uh, it's better for the... Uh, creators as well because it's a continuous purchasing right the problem with the lifestyle game is they can uh, someone can buy like an army and then they're done right and they can just play Uh that forever yep whereas if you have a limited release thing once they finish that experience they're done and they're like shit now i've got to find a new experience right kind of make it more Uh like a movie so i think that's going to build up yeah. And maybe it, it, it kind of combines with the uh, RPG kind of space, right? Where you have RPGs, which uh, use the module system, right? You buy a module, like an adventure that you play, right? With characters. Mm-hmm. So the same kind of way, with, but with uh, miniatures. Yeah, like the Arkham Horror card game. Yeah. So you you buy miniatures and you have those miniatures. Um, okay. You could reuse them in later ones, but in general, you're going to be buying new miniatures with like I don't know new monsters or something like that. To play, something to play more... a select, to play a select campaign or play a select like, exactly particular game, but yeah. then you've got like a core, but then things come up with it. Yeah, yeah. So that's my prediction. That's going to become more popular. Maybe a few of those that are going to release in the new year. Okay, think more about that. <clears throat> All right, so now we're down to our last prediction. That last one was pretty fuzzy, I think, for both of us. But this what? one, I, I, I said, "Kings of War." Oh no, How's you're right. Fuzzy. Mine was fuzzy. Mine was fuzzy. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Yours was actually very, very specific. Kings of War is going to hit. Although, what does it mean to hit? You think it's just going to become the leader in that space? People are, yeah, the clear leader. Yeah. All right. All right, the last one is, so mine was crappy, yours was pretty good. Uh, I should have, I can't really name one. I'm gonna say there's a science fiction version that's gonna come out of a limited, not from GW. 
All right. Last one uh, is a personal prediction. So something that you personally or I personally are going to do, a prediction for where we are going to, what something we're going to do or experience in the new year. What is your prediction? All right. So every, every year I paint like infinity armies. So that's, that's not even worth making a prediction about. I already know what armies those are going to be pretty much. So I'm not even going to deviate from that because I have some, I have enough miniatures. I don't need more to paint for, for infinity. And maybe when the fire team rules come out, I'll like modify one of my armies, but that's not, that's not an overarching prediction. Mm -hmm. I think the only like thing I haven't been, well, no, I've been doing this a bit last year, but for the, I think we're going to, we've been working on the sci-fi version of a skirmish game, but I think this year, 2022, we're going to move back to doing a bit more later in the year on the the fantasy version that involves more of like the campaign setting, which is more the player kind of missions and stuff like that. More single player missions, but more choose your own adventure if you think of a comparison to Rangers of Shadowdeep or Frostgrave, and it's a much, it's a much simpler thing to get into. Yep. But I see myself building more and customizing more miniatures for that game, mm-hmm. which I was doing a bit earlier this year, but it was less customizing, yeah. but I think just doing more, more unusual miniatures for that game. 2021, yeah. I did like basic skeletons, basic city guardsmen, like mm-hmm. fairly common to, stuff. To but run think, campaigns and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I see this year doing more like interesting, unusual beastmen, not your common, not your common beastmen, but doing some of those, doing like unusual sort of fey armies, not just like fairies, but <clears throat> like creatures of the, the shadow realm for that. So yeah, that's what I see that's out of the ordinary for doing this year. Okay, yeah, this prediction is kind of interesting because we have the ability to make it happen as opposed to the other ones, which is outside of it. Mm-hmm. So um, now that you mention it, I probably should have done some sort of predictions on, you know, like the games that, that we've been working on and playing. I think the science fiction game, we're pretty close. We just need to polish it up and, and, and push it out there and then we probably will move on. Um, but my prediction is about consumption. So not about the games that we're working on. I do think though that in the next year, um, I am working on like an, an, an army builder for the science fiction version. And, and I will definitely finish that this year. Uh, and then we'll probably try and push that out and, and see if there's any interest in like a beginner friendly uh, science fiction skirmish game. But my prediction is, as I said, about consumption. So uh, as opposed to things that are definitely going to happen. So my prediction is I'm going to buy STLs for 3D printing print them and paint them this year again i am almost certain that i'm going to do this uh but i'm going to give a number of miniatures i'm going to do 10 at least okay i'm going to full army i'm going to print a full army uh like a skirmish army of scls okay that that kind of fits into the game being worked on thing yeah yep and if you would push me i would i would possibly print two but that's that's really cutting it close i don't know if i'll yeah. finish there's two, enough other stuff to but i'm almost certainly going to finish one mm-hmm. and i have no idea i haven't even like selected out any, any stls but i'm pretty sure that's going to happen uh as i test those waters out and i'm pretty sure i'm not going to be the one who's going to print them 
I'm probably going to get a service to print them because I don't want to buy. That, that's what makes sense at this point. Anyhow. <clears throat> but I feel like that's what's going to happen. Uh, hopefully I will succeed on this prediction. We shall see. All right. All right. And that is uh, all of our predictions for uh, 2021. Well, actually, technically, we probably have a whole bunch that we've held back, but that's enough for this podcast. So if you have any questions about our predictions, you want to challenge us, you have any predictions of your own, uh, give us a shout and we can talk about them. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, you can uh, email us at contact at diceovereverything.com. Yeah, or see what we're up to on Facebook or Dice Over Everything, or let us know what you're up to and join Dice Over Everything group. That's it. This has been Alan. Yeah, it's been Brandon. Bye.